1: And welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today we have three people. Today this is going to be a a full, uh, lots of different voices. Pay attention. Uh, (laughs) We're going to start off with uh, Everett.
2: I'm going to try to get this right. Kelly Polo. Kelly Polo. Kelly Polo. Okay. He's a district director uh, for athletics. The official title is coordinator of school services, but one of my my big responsibilities is over athletics. Okay. for the uh, Utah Interscholastic Athletic Administrator Association. Uh, well, I'm I'm president elect coming up this next year, but I I'm, I'm so at the district I'm at the district office, Naples School District office overall athletics. So I work with all the high schools within our district. Okay, and it's for state of Utah.
1: Yes, and then okay next uh, we got Mark Hunter. Okay, this is fun. So the executive director of the Utah Interscholastic Athletic Administrator Association. And then on the phone, past president Richard Barton of the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrator Association. Gentlemen, and, hello.
0: And I think w- w- all of these fellows I met, they were athletic directors uh, for high schools, and some of them work at the district level. Mark's retired. Yes. Um, But but so they all helped administer prep sports at your local school. So that's where they're coming from. Mark says, you know,
1: I I got out of it, but they call me back. (laughs) (laughs) You're never out of it. I get out, and then all of a sudden, they bring me back in again. It's like
3: the firm. You can never leave. You can never leave.
0: No, that's how I feel about (laughs) high school sports. I left sports, but look at – we're still having this conversation, right? Absolutely. Um, We invited you guys here today because there's an issue that you're sort of – you've been talking to legislators about – um, and part of that is compensating and compensating um, athletic uh, directors or uh, educators um, more fairly or, you know, trying to keep them um, and make it a professional level. Because a lot of – back in the day, it was you're just in charge of ordering buses and making sure coaches get hired and fired and stuff like that, right? Now, it's a lot more complicated. So why don't you – I don't know which one of you wants to take the lead, Mark, Um sure sort of what you guys have been working on and what the, how the job has evolved.
3: Well, I think I'll turn it over to Rich to start this, uh, Roland, because he's the one that actually started this with the legislature, although our association has been trying for years and years to increase the certification level. But, Rich, I'll let you begin.
1: So, well, Rich? Uh, yeah.
4: Appreciate it. A, a certified athletic administrator is an insurance policy for a school and a school district. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Through the years, the the position of uh, athletic director has has grown in in responsibility and, and importance, and uh, especially in, in stewardship. In fact, each year, based on some of the state school board requirements, our uh, coaches, head and assistant coaches, all have to have eight requirements. Uh, checked off every year before they can be with student uh, participants. And I guess the ironic thing is the person with stewardship over the 100-plus uh, coaches at a school requires uh, no prior preparation, no certification, uh, no training, and uh, and in many cases doesn't receive ongoing uh Training. And so one thing that we've strived to do, and it, it's also what's happened in some other states, is we're, we've tried to, to make certification of athletic administrators something that's required. Um, we, we, we were successful a few years ago in getting the UHSAA to put it in their uh, handbook that it's recommended that an athletic director be certified uh, within two years of being on the job but uh, you know a recommendation doesn't doesn't push somebody to take the, the needed courses and, and also to uh, of their own initiative uh, take and pass an exam that, that is required to be certified but we you know some people might see this uh, proposed legislation as dealing with money. We, we see it as, as a student protection bill. There's, there's a big gap in, in our high schools that, that needs to be filled. Uh, teachers, counselors, principals all have required certification and ongoing professional develop, de- development. But the person with stewardship over the largest and most problematic department at a high school requires nothing uh, but a pulse. And uh, we we have uh, only a third or less of our athletic directors at our 150-plus high schools in Utah who are certified. And even those that are certified, it's hard to keep them in the profession. And so what we have is a revolving door uh, that leads to inexperienced people uh, in this stewardship. And really, you know, we know bad things can happen uh, in extracurricular uh, sports, no matter our best you know despite our best efforts. But really, why should we be surprised when we when we hear things on the news related to problems with our extracurricular coaches and participants, when the person with stewardship responsibility uh, you know requires no certification? Uh, no prior preparation and, and training for for this crucial and most important job that uh, you know the, the athletic department doesn't shut down during mm-hmm. the summer. Uh, these individuals
1: spend the most time with okay. with these students. Richard, I, I'm sorry, I, I got a million questions. <laughs> Number one, what in the world? What kind of high school do you have? that has 150 people. Because when I was in high school, I realized this was decades ago.
0: <laughs> it was a, a couple I years ago. I went to ago. a
1: school with 3,000 students. <laughs> yeah. They did not have 150 people in any, certainly whatever they call an athletic department. Yeah. And all of our uh, the coaches were teachers. Oh. So they had that certification yeah. at the very least. They weren't just mm-hmm. you know guys off the street or, or women. And, and so I am flabbergasted that, A, that you have money for 150 extra people when, you know, we don't pay teachers enough to begin with. And I recognize that, you know, if you in, in my day, that was a dual thing. So you could probably got paid a little bit for each, right? Mm-hmm. And in Chicago, school teachers make a decent uh, living. So I'm, I'm, that's bizarre to me.
0: Time, but, t- times have changed, Jason. I hate to tell you. 150 I, people? That's well, crazy. Yeah, just
1: just think about a football staff now. But, but I don't the, care, but, but I want, I'm saying that's too many for, we, no, but we I want to spend money on education. It's not enough. right. It, One hundred and fifty people just for sports? Yeah. Please, nope. I, I don't even know how wasteful that is. Well, but you are talking. I.
3: And well. my, my guess is sixty percent of those are not in the school. Possibly more at some schools. A yeah. lot of
5: well, even, when, even head coaches
3: I, uh, now. Some head coaches in high-profile sports are not at the school. Not they're, very
0: they're paraprofessionals. many. They're professionals.
1: So they, 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 they come out from outside. They mm-hmm. come from yes. outside. For why example, all, they, why do we
0: allow that? Um because we cannot you cannot fill the positions from within you cannot hire yeah, I
4: can, yeah go for it Richard. if I can share with you I, you know I'm an old timer as far as an a d i'm i'm twenty four years as an a d and when I started eighty percent of my head coaches were in the building as full-time teachers. Um, there used to be a lot of people uh, that would go into education as as a teacher slash coach. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, there's because not enough people crazy enough crazy enough to spend the time. Uh, the parent, the parents. Uh, it's a different world now with parents, and they use the word investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of coaches, you know. There's there's huge turnover. I now I have less than forty percent of my head coaches are teachers, and I used to take for granted all those years that would go by, and I never had to replace one head coach. Now I hope. To, to make it through a, a fall season, a winter season, without having to do it because, you know, they, they, and there's not a lot of money. Um, you know, Hutch mentioned about how many uh, assistant coaches are on a football staff. I'm at a mid-level 3A high school. We have, we have 13 uh, people on our, our football staff, and that's not because 13 people are all getting paid uh, some money because we have a small pool of money uh, for those assistants to be divided up in, in how much they get paid, uh, and majority of them just don't take money. Wow. But well, and I, uh, we're, we're I, every time you know people think uh, everybody's just jumping in line to apply for a, a high school head job.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: we're 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 fortunate if we can you know get a get a two or three people to apply for a a, a head job yeah. when we have an open.
0: I want Everett to take the last minute and tell us what it's like to what kind of candidates like what are what are some of the issues people are facing as coaches.
2: Yeah, I think that's what you know. As you're talking about the paraprofessionals, I, I'm a former high school principal, and one of the hardest things was always trying to find a, a coach. So you were talking about the especially the smaller level uh, sports that we have. Yeah, yeah. But as a high school football coach, I mean, we're we're paying these guys a little over three thousand bucks, and, and it's pretty much a year round job.
1: Mm -hmm. $3,000 total? Oh, yeah.
2: That's what they get. And a lot of people, even when I was coaching, a lot of people thought I was making a lot of money doing (laughs) this. And I said, no. (laughs) I said, you you watch those million-dollar contracts and multi-million-dollar contracts. That that doesn't happen at our level. Have you
1: seen what they pay uh, high school coaches in Texas?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. This isn't
1: Texas. This is not Texas. I I totally get that. But I remember when I first heard that they they, they pay $100,000 to a football coach. And I thought they got their priorities completely wrong.
3: And that's all he does
1: right and yeah. this is his only job yeah mm-hmm. and he can get fi- it's, it's it's almost like having a um a, a college job listen so I know I, we have to go to break I, but I, to break when break we now. come back I want to tell and you we got to come back we'll do this uh, gosh I didn't know what I, I was, was getting myself mind. into you my mind officially blown you're listening to voices of reason
5: Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Welcome back to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson. Today we have a full crew. Uh, Everett, I'm, I'm going to mess this up every time. Kelly Paulo. Kelly Paulo. Kelly Kelly
0: It's just like it says. Just like it sounds. Uh,
1: okay, uh, Mark Hunter and Richard Barton. They are involved with the Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Uh, Actually, uh, Richard is the past president of the national organization. And uh, Everett and Mark with the Utah, the state version of this. Uh, They have been informing me that high school sports (laughs) has changed over the last 35 years. (laughs) And I am amazed at uh, what, what is going on. But uh, yeah. Amy wanted to bring up because we, we've I just uh, think there's a story
0: you know. that illustrates sort of the way it's changed. Right. So you have. A, I think it's important also to keep in mind. We're talking about one hundred and fifty thousand kids participating in athletics. And you're asking these uh, coaches and athlete, they're, they're overseeing the experience that these kids have. And the purpose of the Utah High School Activities Association is participation. It's not scholarships. It's not professional contracts. It's participation. They want as many kids participating in athletics and activities as possible because they do better. They have higher self-esteem. They get better grades. They,
1: activities being music or, it could be any uh, anything. That they, yeah, somebody. so
0: they do a debate. They do dural team. They do sports. You you know, there's a, you can find their on their website all the stuff they oversee. But 150,000 kids are participating in that every year. Let's keep that in mind. Um, and so it doesn't seem to me to be out of whack, but I covered it for 20 years. And one of the coaches that I covered on a regular basis, because he always had a good team, was Jay Welk, who was a men's basketball coach up at Davis High School. And he was one of the best there was. They, were, they had some amazing teams, uh, were involved in some amazing games. And at the end of his, he took a job with the district, and, and we, was talking about retirement. But I remember talking to him, and he said, "I just cannot do what it, the job demands anymore." And it's not just that you're not making any money. Your stipend is seven hundred and fifty dollars or so, ish, and 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 you're asked to do uh, uh, off, you know, out of season workouts, out of season uh, league play. Why with, is that not illegal? It's not it's not just that it's not illegal, Jason. It's if you cannot make a high school team anymore, that's halfway competitive. If you're not playing uh, accelerated ball, club ball, there's no the story. I used to do stories on them at the end of my career where if you made a high school roster and you weren't already in a farm league of some kind, you were a story. It doesn't. I, I just showed up the day of volleyball tryouts. I'd never touched a volleyball and I made a, a, the JV team. That doesn't happen anymore. The kids are, you know, getting involved in sports at such a young age, but, but it, but also dealing with college recruiters and what parents want you to send college recruiters on behalf of their children, the demands on high school coaches is so significant and it's burning coaches out at a younger, I mean, they're, they're not lasting as long. When I started, there were coaches who'd been coaching 40 years. I will be shocked in 10 years if you have 40-year tenured coaches in most of the sports. You might still see it in cross-country or something, although that's getting just as just as high pressure. So I think that that's kind of what's behind this push for legislation is as – high school sports has evolved the people the jobs that oversee it that you're you have to have cpr training now you have to have sexual assault and uh you know predatory you know how to avoid yeah. being a, a, a victim you have to have all this training you know what's concussion training what's the protocol but the people in charge are not required to do that and i think I mean, every high school doesn't even have an athletic trainer even part-time
1: so mark i'm gonna uh, have you come in as. How do we even begin to address this? I know that you guys have put uh, forth some legislation, but how can you adequately deal with what, what Amy just described?
3: Well, so part of the reason that we're addressing this legislation, trying to get it passed is, <clears throat> and it's a point that Rich brought up, is that the person in the building that's over the largest amount of kids in the building is the athletic director. He doesn't have to be certified. As Rich said, he just has to be there. Teachers have to be certified. Apparently just alive. Assistant principals have to be certified. Can you put principals have to be certified. Superintendents right. have to be certified. The State Board of Education. Your librarian is usually right. certified. Want, <laughs> the, the State yeah. Board of Education wants a list of every coach in your building, assistants included, which can be up to 100 or more, as Rich said. And you have to list what they've done and check off that they're certified. The person who presi- provides that list
1: doesn't have to be certified how does that even happen I mean that sounds ridiculous honestly I'm- it happens and, because and, and, the and
0: thing because the 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 thing evolved faster than the ability of anyone to know so some schools didn't even, when I started they didn't even have an athletic director so I'd call like the football coach and say can you help me or the head the volleyball coach had been there 20 years so she knew everybody and I'd get phone numbers from that person Mark knows this because Mark and I yeah. Mark tried to bring a level of professionalism with UIAA and, and I – so I would say, like, get people together. Let's try to figure – this. just having, like, a system of communication is a thing that has evolved in the last two decades that I've watched. So this know? has
1: grown faster than our if ability to, add, um, yeah. you know, keep up with it. Go, Go ahead, Rich.
4: Yeah. You know, Amy, you bring up an excellent point. The, the, the reason this is a missing gap is because the role and responsibility and stewardship of an AD – has changed so rapidly uh, what's been put on our plate it's changed quick enough that even key decision makers at the district level at the high school level it's changed quick enough a lot of those people don't don't even understand what the role and the responsibility is um, you know we I, I've said it a number of times I said the least understood position in a school district, is an athletic director because there's there's hardly anybody who's walked in those shoes uh some of the people mm. that are walking in that shoes are ready to to throw those shoes away especially coming off
1: the, <laughs> and these are uh, nikes coming off the,
4: yeah <laughs> coming off the uh pandemic this is happening right. around the country is a lot of even longtime athletic directors uh you know after testing athletes weekly and, and cancellation, Mm -hmm. rescheduling of events. A lot of people are saying, Hey, I, I can't do this anymore. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the paraprofessionals, uh, one of the reasons I authored a, a course on coaching coaches to be education based leaders was my challenge of trying to bring up paraprofessionals up to speed with what an education-based coach is. It's different than a coach in any other uh, realm. And bringing those people up to speed with what an education-based coach is is a tremendous responsibility for, for all of us to help them to, to coach in a way that it is truly an extension of the classroom. Because I, I, I've always said it, the, the last classroom of the day is the most influential one. And
1: that
0: is the extracurricular classroom. Hmm. So, I mean, I, Everett, you've probably run into these kids. You've coached these kids, right? That I was one of them. I wouldn't have graduated high school were it not for sports. So why, like some people will say, like Jason just said, we're, this is misplaced um, priorities, I guess, money, right? Why? How do you justify spending more money on athletics?
2: I, I think one of the things that's always come out is, is talking about, well this is, well, this is not academically minded. And and I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I'll, I'll tell you, there are a lot of us that probably wouldn't have graduated if it wasn't for the sports. And if you look, I, I actually did it. I, my doctoral dissertation was on this: that kids who come to school. I mean, we we've all heard this. When you come to school, attendance, uh, grades, whatever you know, uh, behavior wise, it was always the athletes that always turned out to be. You know, they were the ones that were there all the time. They had better behavior because they wanted to play in the game on Friday night. So a lot of those things have always been in place. We've always talked about it, but I, I did a dis- dissertation that just proved that that outright. and said, their GPAs were with with what end level testing we did in Utah. I mean, like said so they really correlated extremely well. So when people come to me and say, "Well, it's really not academic," and I said. I I think it's one of the greatest motivators and incentives to actually be in school. And I think that's what you're finding out is like you're seeing a lot of these athletes who have been tremendously successful. I mean, we look at Fortune 500 folks and and what they do. Mm -hmm. But I I do look at it from the standpoint of saying these are kids that are are doing well in our... You know, like when you talk about the six C's, I mean, these are the type of people who collaborate. They have the ability. They're great citizens. I mean, they're just really functioning highly you know, within our society. And and that's...
5: and, and we, me, we, hear, we hear the few yeah. things
2: that happen that some of these athletes, you know, they, they do some crazy things. There's no doubt about it. And like this, sure. But those are far and few between. But the general populace, they're tremendous.
0: I think also um, people don't understand the influence of a good coach in Absolutely. a school community Absolutely. or good coaches, I should Absolutely. say, plural. But I know that for my kid did not play on the football team at Taylorsville High. Do you know who her most influential person in high school was? The high school football coach.
1: Mm. How did um, she even get to know the football coach?
0: Um, he knows everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you know a good
1: connectivity. Yeah, connectivity. a good a
0: good coach notices who's in class. Notice who doesn't come to class. She took it uh, an exercise class and wasn't much into exercise. <laughs> and he noticed, and and he took it upon himself uh, to make sure she made it to class, or to let me know if she wasn't in class, and to talk to her about why this was going to matter to her five, six years down the road. And he became, he was able to say things to her that I could not. And a a very valuable tool for a parent to call a favorite teacher or coach and say, can you help me? Uh, This is a situation I have. What would you do? And I learned a ton from coaches about how to be a better parent. And so I think when we say it's one, it's either or, when we're talking about kids and high school kids and education related sports, it's not either or. It has to be both.
1: When we come back, we'll continue this discussion that I am learning. I mean, I'm in class today. I'll tell you that right now.
5: School is in session. School is
1: in session. And athletics, we're finding out how important it is and how many changes need to be made so that it's uh, more functional for the students and for uh, the people who have these jobs, which are very important as we come to find out. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Recently, Amy Donaldson, back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, joined today by Everett Calipolo, and he is the, uh, well, okay, I'm going to do this all at one time because this makes uh, a, a little more sense, and Mark Hunter, both uh, involved with the Utah Interscholastic Athletic Administrator Association, and Richard Barton, who is past president of the national, uh, what is it called, i triple and triple That's a- right. A- a- Man. Well, no, the national i triple a- 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 yeah. a- okay, so yeah. it's,
3: Rich is also the uh, certification director for Utah.
1: And that's what's important here, because we're talking about how... There needs to be more certification to bring up – help improve the way athletic departments, which are the largest departments in high schools, I come to find out, uh, how they're run and they provide stewardship for these students. And uh, Richard explained uh, stewardship for us. But Mark, uh, so what is it exactly that you're you're trying to, to get to with the legislation that you're proposing?
3: Well, we would like each athletic administrator in Utah to be a CAA, Certified Athletic Administrator, or Certified Master Athletic Administrator. That would include a competency exam, the four required legal courses at the national level that include the 14 legal doozies hazing, ADA, all of those types of things, Title IX, et cetera, et cetera, the three introductory courses on athletic administration, and then two optional courses in the six and 700 level.
1: So, how much are we paying extra for this?
3: Part of a school's professional development. Uh, I think the CAA to sign up is maybe two hundred fifty bucks. No, I'm talking. But about I mean, a, how, will they com- make more money? Right, or yeah. how, like there is, you, there is yeah. no compensation. Well, no, obviously. there's you're no. If you're if, hear, if you're yeah. certified, yeah. For example, I I was certified as a CAA in 1997 at Jordan High School. I got I was one of the first twenty in the United States to get a CMAA in 2000. There was never any extra money because I was certified. I got extra money as the athletic director to supervise events, but right, there right. was never extra money because I was certified.
1: Well, and actually you're, you, the way you described it, everybody else is certified except for this athletic director who is the boss of all of these people. That, that's the Which sad the, truth of the – There's a lot of irony going on there. A- so, absolutely.
0: So tell me – and and maybe Richard might be the best person if he's over certification to address yes. this. But like what – what value does the certification or do these classes, these this training, add to their daily duties?
4: Well, um, we have over 53 leadership training courses. Some of those are required courses for certification uh, and also for the certified master uh, uh, attainment. But these courses, you know, when we take these 53 courses, we take, what we learn back to our coaches' meetings. Three
1: courses. Jeez.
4: <laughs> uh, and, uh, and like Mark alluded to some of the, you know, I, I just completed uh, authoring a second course, partnering with parents, with parents being the leading reason why coaches are getting out of the profession. And it was a two year process to prepare, author, and deliver that course goes through a couple of pilots. And so it's quite a comprehensive process for a course to uh, be approved and, 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 then taught to the, the membership and, and taught in all 50 States. But courses uh, like the one I just mentioned, partnering with parents, um, hazing, sexual harassment, title nine, uh, social media, transgender, Maintaining appropriate professional boundaries, uh, proper management of funds, concussion management, uh, sportsmanship—the list goes on and on. And these are all um, four-hour courses that we take. What we learn, we bring it back to our individual schools and and share. But if if you were to if you were to go to uh, a lot of Key decision makers uh, for schools and say, what what have you what do you provide uh, to prepare somebody to be uh, in the role of AD? And then follow up question: What do you uh, require of them ongoing? And what do you provide professional development wise? Um, you would get some some interesting uh, responses and some 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 people you know who who can't respond. Then you do have a few who have taken the time to uh, to, to learn to ask uh, Rick Robbins, Canyon School District Superintendent. He he is a leader in in this uh, legislative effort for us, and and he's taken the time to find out from his people what they need. He he uh, you know pushes them to get certified. He he's a proponent of full time uh, AD status in in the schools. Hmm. And, well, uh, he's an
0: old coach so, too. We got to say he knows the value of and an A D. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he knows the value. But well, I also—they're one of the few districts I think that have a district level like Granite does too. Not every district has a district level AD, right?
3: That's true. But Canyons oh, at, at present time does not have. Oh, they one. don't have they, one. They're oh, looking okay. to get one. I I don't know that they have one. I think it it may be part of another person's. Uh, Job, job description yeah. i know davis has one i know granite has one i know
4: well and we Alpine 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 about
2: and Al, Al, Nabel, right.
4: mm-hmm. well we we talk about how things have changed so quick in the position of ad uh, a couple of the first districts to hire a district ad um, and i think of one in particular they hired uh, 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 you know a, a well well-known name a uh, college athlete who hadn't been a high school AD, who who didn't know the role, but it was a big name hire, and, and that individual didn't stay in that position very long, you know, and so sometimes because key decision makers, oh, but also didn't not do knowing a, what they don't know,
0: they do, and also didn't do a good job.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah so, no question. Yeah, it happens.
0: No, I mean, I think I think that people don't understand how unique um, the high school um, landscape has become. Like it. I remember a time when Mark Van Wagner, who represents you at HSAA, he's a, their attorney, said it, there was a time when we were protecting um, high school, or I mean, club sports from high school. High school would, um, mm-hmm. you know, so the rules were meant because high school was it. That was the pinnacle. Now the mm-hmm. rules protect high school from club, <laughs> from club sports, because there are these so many other elements out there that it's almost like farm leagues and professional and now with name, image, and likeness um, coming to high school sports, I mean, the demands on a coach, if you think about how many coaches are getting out because it's just not worth the $750 you're paying them, um, how many athletic directors are saying, I, I don't even get the fun part of working with the kids. Like, that's the only reason yeah. a lot of guys show up and gals because the kids are awesome. And they love right. working with them.
1: And when it comes down to it, we're this is all for the kids, really. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, right, this is Absolutely. this is for their enrichment. And somehow we, we've so, kind of uh, gotten that askew.
4: Well, Story, uh, we, we had a, an AD, and this is not totally unique, but he was asked by his school in the spring, we want you to take over as AD uh, next year for the guy who's jumping out. He came to our spring conference. He took a couple of the legal courses he went back home to his school and said, uh, finding out that I have legal responsibility for all this, he said, no, thanks. Uh, somebody else can do it. And and there have been others that have, that have said the same thing because there there's a lot of weight on the shoulders of an AD. Um, you know, we're sending kids out year-round in some of the most problematic areas, motel rooms, bus trips, uh, locker rooms. What are we doing year-round? Uh,
1: I'm sorry, Richard. I, I, I'm, I'm um, again. I'm, I'm a reporter, any, so I got to stop myself here.
4: Any more now? You have team camps.
1: You have summer tournaments. How is that? Legal? You have seven on. How, how is that? These kids, uh, they're not going to school. This is this is outside of school. It's not just
0: it's not just because if you don't do it, a private company will do it. And then the kids who don't have the money to join the private club can't compete. So Kearns High School has to hold his own football camp or their own basketball camp because those the other kids across town are going to private basketball camps with Nike and Adidas and Under Armour. And if he wants to even compete, even at at any level, he has to have his kids in year round programs and they can't afford it. So the high school coach does it for nothing wow. okay. now, or now
2: for these,
4: peanuts. You'd you rather are, have them under your wing than somebody yes, else's
0: wing. You know at least right. your heart's in the right spot. And,
2: you know, these so, things are optional. So when you talk about the summer camps and those type of things, I mean, we, at the schools we always say these are optional. They're not required. But blank you're right, blank. Amy. When you, <laughs> when, they're, when, they're when, when you made the are. comment, the truth of the matter is, Amy, what you said what, what a while back, which is these kids, they want to get better. Parents want their kids to get better. At this point, we have – and, and how many athletes do we have in our school systems right now? 157,000, you know, throughout the state of Utah, just on the high school level that are participating in athletics. And it just shows you this is the number, and they want they want to get better. And a lot of these kids know that less mm-hmm. than 1% are going to make it to the next level from JC all the way up to Division One.
0: And most of them are not participating, thinking they're going to get college that's, scholarships. That's right. or that's but right. I also think it's important to remember what another great coach, Bobby Porter, said to me when I asked him if he had the ability to keep his kids from saying things like the N-word in, in, in competition. He said, absolutely, I have what they want. I can get them to do things that no teacher or parent can do because I have what they want.
1: When we come back uh, in our last segment, uh, I just – you know what? I always think of myself as a relatively well-informed person, but I never had kids, right? So this is – you know, it's foreign to me in some way, and I just have to go back to my high school. Man, you guys – We were were, lucky. You you don't even know. Right. We all know, right? It is so much more difficult, and and we as a society – I think in some ways we've uh, gotten things, uh, you know, out of whack, but I understand that now that this is a, uh, the situation, we've got to deal with it the way it is. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Amy Donaldson, Jason Lee, Voices of Reason. Today joined by Everett Calipolo, uh, Mark Hunter, and Richard Barton. We're talking about high school sports. Uh, and again, I'm a kid. I'm, I'm a man with no children. And, uh, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm I'm hearkening back to my days in high school. And life has changed <laughs> so much.
0: High school sports is high not school, the same. It's,
1: it's, to even think that it's a year-round thing. Uh, I mean, it it used to be that you had a break so that you could, you know, do be a kid or do whatever. Now there's no such thing. So, Mark, uh, how how does you you guys are trying to develop a way that athletic directors can have stewardship over all these programs in a way that's certified so that they know the rules and they know their responsibilities. But there's some professionalism, some professionalism in that, considering everybody else has to have these certifications. But you're running up against a lot of things. It's a lot of responsibility. There's not a lot of money in it, despite the fact that it, it is something that is, I would consider, kind of big business. If you really think about it, somebody's getting paid, but it doesn't seem to be the people in charge of it necessarily. What? Uh, how do you address some of this stuff? Well, <laughs>
3: let me clarify this as far as the state legislature goes. There is money in school districts for highly certified teachers, National Board Certified Teachers. The same the same company that certifies National Board Certified Teachers is the same company that certifies the NIAAA with its certification. When I was still working, I went to my board uh, – not to my board, my district and said, I'm a National Certified Teacher because I have this certification. I'm a CMAA. They said, no, you're not. I said, no, it's the same company that does this. The legislature is also in the past – I want to say three or four years ago – help me with this, Amy mm-hmm. – they made a special $5,000 per teacher for special ed teachers because there was a high turnover, because they couldn't keep them in there. Mm-hmm. And and you can have seven or eight special ed teachers in a high school, depending on how big your high school is. So that that could be up to 40000 in a high school, possibly. What we're asking is that the legislature, separate from any money that goes to any district – so this money doesn't come out of any district. It's not money that – that is earmarked for them. We're asking if you're a CAA, Certified Athletic Administrator, you get a stipend from the legislature for $2,500 a year. If you're a Certified Master Athletic Administrator, it's 5000 a year. And everyone out there is thinking, oh, this is, this is money, blah, blah, blah. They're doing it in their head. Right now with the 38 CAAs that we have in Utah and the 10 CMAAs, now I'm talking active. Yes. That's $145,000. That's it's peanuts. That's a principal salary in some districts. Yeah. Right. So let me so. ask
0: you: Are there? Um, do you would that help turnover? Would that reduce turnover to do that? And do you no. still have to pay for the education part yourself?
3: I, I'm not aware of when I got my CAA and my CMA. My school paid for the classes that I took, and they paid for my certification out of their professional development budget. Okay. There are very few. Athletic administrators that I'm aware of that this comes out of their own pocket because there's so much money in professional development
0: okay. for, All right. for so, employees. So do you think it would reduce the turnover then? Because right now you are ha- you have a turnover issue.
3: I, oh, I think it would. I think it would because they're saying – well, think about it. I'm going to get this extra 2500 It's not coming from But it's not annually,
1: district. is it? Yeah, oh, we asking is. annually. OK, so that's, mm-hmm. that helps. But I mean, okay. $2,500 is not going to change anybody's life.
0: You're not a teacher, man.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, look at it this way: they deserve to be paid more than twenty-five hundred dollars
3: for the. Well, this is in addition to whatever they make at their district and whatever stipend they get as athletic administrator. Th- this is all separate from that. Okay, one hundred forty-five thousand dollars a year right now. We expect it could get up to three hundred thousand once more. People if everybody gets certified, certified. yeah. Right. Out of a twenty-one point seven billion dollar budget let me put let me put this in terms of a first year teacher a first year teacher maybe gets hired now for $50,000 which is a lot more than the 9,000 i signed on for in 79 <laughs> of that $50,000 budget we're asking for 33 cents it's 0.0006% of the state budget it's
1: it's you can nothing. you you
3: can't buy a candy bar for 33 cents no, even at the notice. dollar store you can't buy that. And for the insurance that it gives for the training for the additional training that would come to athletic administrators that would filter down to the coaches that would filter down to our kids and that's what this is about. That's mm-hmm. why it's called the student protection bill. Because we make good decisions in the first place. Don't be like these lawsuits that you read across the US were where kids do crazy things because their coaches let them do crazy things or their ads
0: or their coaches certified are doing stupid things, yeah, stupid things, yeah, because they didn't have they didn't have a tiny bit of training or a little bit of knowledge, right. or...
1: You know what? I, I, I'm not going to let them off that easy, okay? Because <laughs> they do stupid things because the people in charge not using their best judgment. I mean, we always leave it up to well, they weren't trained for it. These are adults; they're exactly not, they're not supposed to be stupid, and the things we're t- we, you know they would be involved in are just. They're not common sense, and so we—I shouldn't let them off the hook. We shouldn't let them off the hook. Absolutely. If they do all, dumb that's a, things. That's a whole Don't, other, don't blame yeah. it on the lack of training, because it sounds like to me that they should have known that already.
0: No, but i, I think like looking at Title Nine, I—I ha- I know really great coaches who went to the Title Nine training that the U had uh, mm-hmm. a, a year ago, and they came. They—I had two different people reach out to me and say, "Did you know this?" And I said, "Of course I knew this." Right? They did not know it, and they're smart. You know highly trained people, probably more educated than me is on paper. Um, I do think it is a matter of training. I do think there are things you just don't know because you're you haven't run into it or you haven't had that you, you haven't given it to you in a way that um, you're thinking of like obvious things like letting kids do stupid things when they're staying at, a, at an overnight trip or whatever but but I'm talking about how to make your sports accessible to all kids. Um, that's required by federal law. Yeah, How, but that's,
1: that's, that's not uh, because you're doing something stupid. That's just like you say, that, that is lack of information I, necessarily. Yeah, I'm talking I, about the things you're s- about in like no, but Yeah, but I've stuff.
0: seen – but the bigger issue – everyone pays attention to that. The bigger issue is can everybody at your school access and participate in athletics and activities? And right now the answer to that is no. And we've had girls have to sue in a situation where if – Somebody had been a little bit more educated or they'd had a different perspective, they would have understood how they could give access to everyone more equally. And I think that's part of what I have always been bothered by is if you just grab you know the teacher who has a prep period and say you're the new AD, um, what which, incentive which has happened? Which has happened? Which, what incentive does he or she have? To take these extra classes, to do this extra work, right? And it doesn't. I mean, twenty five hundred bucks. A lot of people are going to say that's nothing. That's peanuts. Whatever. It's a, a a you know we appreciate you. I I would take twenty five hundred bucks, and it would mean a lot in it in the right in the right situation. Does it solve every problem? No, but I do think it goes a long way to saying this is a spot and a position of importance at our school in our school community. And we really want to make sure that people understand how important it is and why it needs to be um, somebody who isn't. You're not changing it over every single year.
2: I mean, I, I was going to say that I said that professional yeah. development you're talking about. This, I mean, this is the greatest argument for professional development. Just for, for, we we got about two
1: minutes. I just keep
2: going. And, and one of the things that's really happening through this is like when when they would get together and we're educated and like says with UI AAA. I know when I the first time I showed up. I was thinking. I went to the state conference back in 2008, and I thought, "Oh, I guess this is going to be just a, a golfing fest. I, that's what we're going to do." <laughs> that's what
0: I thought too. But then I met Hutch, and
2: I realized <laughs> it wasn't going to be a golfing fest. It was you're going to be involved as a professional development. I mean, we're in classes where I'm like, it's really communicating with each other, collaborating, and really finding out what is it that how do you deal with transgender issues? What are the Title Nine issues that we really have to deal with? So I now now have a, and since I'm part of the national level too. I have this ability to be able to call anybody. I can call Hutch anytime, Rich anytime. Why is it? And ask those questions. Way. What's that? I've heard you be called Hutch a lot here. Mark Oh yeah, that's a great story. That's a great story. that we don't have. We time We don't have for. time for. <laughs>
0: wow. We'll tell you. Off we'll but, tell you. Off off right. let,
3: let me. Let me finish One with minute. this, and I'll quote from uh, Dr. Rick Robbins, the superintendent at Canyon's School District, my former district, and boy, I would have loved to have had him as a superintendent. But he said, and has continues to. Athletics is the front door of your school. It's the front porch. It's what everybody sees. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Think about that's the an Amy they don't knows see your it's the class. first thing. Yeah, they, they don't yeah. come and say, I, "I want to talk to that highly
1: certified math teacher, Mr. Hunter." <laughs> they, they, they don't. No, no, no. kids no, don't no, shop no.
0: for a math teacher or an no, English teacher. I mean, teacher. you want to
1: go to a school that's going to help your kid get to go to college, and not. I mean, mostly academic, right? I mean, it is you, mostly you academic,
3: <laughs> but but athletics is the front. It is, is. the front mm-hmm. door to your school. It's to your community people, particularly in the smaller communities in Utah, mm-hmm. for example, where yeah. riches that's. When you it's talk everything. about a Friday night in Richfield, they'll pack that stadium. It may be more packed than, let's say, a Friday night uh, at Jordan High, because in Sandy there's there's Jordan, then Alta. you've got Alta Right in Midvale. you've got Corner Canyon and, and Draper, Chris, you got Brighton up in Contwood Heights. Yep. Yeah, they're all. You can drive within two or three miles and get to another school. You can't do that in
1: Richfield. I got you. Right, but also,
0: it is a community thing. I know people who don't have kids like you who, who go every Friday night to the football games or they have season tickets to the volleyball uh, yeah. team's games. Like, it is a community event. And so it isn't just uh, when when a school suffers or struggles, it's the community su- suffers and struggles.
1: I want to say thank you to all of you. Uh, you've helped me. And though I've given thousands upon thousands of dollars, uh, uh, um, probably tens of thousands at this point, Because I don't have any kids to the Canyon School District. Mm -hmm. I want all of those kids to be able to do whatever they need to do. Because our our society is better served uh, by, you know, everybody else's kids, uh, you know, having a good place to go. Uh, So, uh, God, I can't believe my computer is doing this to me right now. But, uh, (laughs) okay, so I'm going to say Everett Calipolo, uh, Mark Hunter, and Richard Barton, thank you all for joining us. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck. With the yes. legislature, get all uh, get all the money you can get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell them I, I I'm giving money for free because I don't have no kids. You you get all my money. <laughs> Join us again for the next episode of the love my project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at voramed at uh, Gmail.com or at VRJasonL at Gmail. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at Jason Lee One. Our show's Twitter handle is at VRR Podcast. You can check out our Facebook page and also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast in all the places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.
2: Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project. I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss
4: Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains.